from the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption and sometimes other things. Who knows what we'll get to this week. With me this week, as always, is the authority on mass-produced Michigan beer and calendar beers that come out of shittily made boxes. Sean, how are you doing today? Oh, you're the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. I'm all <laughs> fucked up today. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm just in the thick of these awesome Christmas Aldi beers. They're delicious. What temperature do you drink them at? I really enjoy that because you've been doing these for a couple of years now where you do these advent calendars and usually by like, you know, day 14, day 15, you're telling me like, man, I really shouldn't have done this. Yeah. You're on day five and you said that today. Yeah. Do you ever, you ever commit to something you regret? Yes. Well, every I'm year hoping, uh, the Dewey pod monster advent calendar that I'm going to create for you next year will provide more. If nothing else, it will be a more interesting box. It's not all from the same place. Yeah, true. And then I can, I can, we can discuss which beer glass I should drink each one out of. I don't, I'm going to tell you to drink it out of a boot. I don't have, you mean like a glass boot or a real boot? Whichever you have. I have more real, real boots than glass boots. I wonder the audience, if they can answer, does it, we had this little debate off air, but does it matter? Does anybody care what kind of glass you drink your beer out of? I know that you don't care. I mean, it, it does make a difference, but no, I don't care. There is a reason that certain glassware is used, but, you know, on an average day, if I'm just having a beer, I, I just want to have the beer as long as I can ingest it. I'm usually content. Yeah, I I mean, I I play fast and loose with the glass I'll drink out of. I like Tiku. Tiku is my fa- a favorite of mine, but I mean, they are fancy. Yeah, this is a this is a snifter, I think, style glass. It's large snifter. I'm drinking a, a deep tar. You know, what also bothers me. Uh, I don't know if I said what bothered me the first time, but what also bothers me are people that want to correct you on how the name of a beer is pronounced. Like this one, this from Revolution Brewing, this is, I would say it's called Death Star. It's a stout. It's a bourbon barrel aged stout that they make. I always thought it was pretty clearly a play on Star Wars. The Star Wars thing. Well, yeah. I, I have I have reviewed this beer and the pers- there are people that have commented, it's not death, it's deeth, like D-E-E-T-H. Who know who like would know that? Spray? Well, yeah, kind of with an H on the end. I think the guy who makes yeah. this is his last name is D E T H. So I don't know if he pronounces it, it Death okay. or if it's Death. I would think it's I don't know. I would think Death is probably you wouldn't want like your last name to be. I mean, I would want my last name to be Death, but most people might be like it's like if your last name was Christ, you'd probably say, "Oh, it's Christ." We just I just had an argument in the car yesterday on the way to a family gathering. It's like why is everyone always saying it's Christ? How do we know it's not Chris T? <laughs> I knew a guy whose last name was C-H-R-I-S-T and I thought it was Christ and he was like oh yeah this is you know so and so Christ I was like alright I guess that's that's like people Spanish well not Spanish but like Mexican people who are named Jesus it's not Jesus right. but they're pronouncing it you know the way that they would pronounce it in their Jesus. language yeah in, in Spanish I don't know I, I think if you're overthinking the pronunciation of a beer especially one like that that seems very clearly to be riffing on a pretty well-known pop culture thing thing <laughs> you, you, sure you got too much time on your hands you, you need you need a fucking hobby other than just getting drunk and watching people on YouTube yeah or commenting about how they pronounce names 
but you should definitely tune in to watch Therapy on YouTube every single day through the month of December for the Advent Calendar Countdown. That's correct. I went with a different way. Went with the Aldi beer Advent Calendar, and I'm regretting my decision. Not necessarily because the beer is not good, but because I get a lot more views if I talk about the Costco one, which makes more sense. I mean, a lot of people probably get their Costco Advent Calendar, and it's kind of like an event to get it. I don't think too many people Costco's are... Costco's got this weird fucking cachet to it that people give it. I'm seeing people wearing the Kirkland brand hoodie like as a fashion statement, and I don't fucking understand that. And in fairness, I have plenty of like Myers brand hoodies that don't say Myers on them. It's just whatever their sweatpant brand is that's in the back of the store. I, I don't feel the need to advertise it. That was going around the the Kirkland sweatpants, the hoodie, the sweatshirt. Mm. That was making its rounds. I don't know if I saw it so much this year, but I know last year there was a couple subreddits I'm on that are like about male fashion or whatever and or frugal male fashion. So, you know, cheaper, not necessarily cheap, yeah. but more budget conscious shit. So when stuff goes on sales at, you know, backwoods country or whatever, back country, backwoods country, back country dot com or whatever they'll be like, like hey. the movie we're talking about today yeah yeah exactly they'll say oh hey you know they got the patagonias for 50 percent off or whatever i don't know we were down in eastern market a couple weeks ago just driving breakfast and we saw a group of i think six different young 20 maybe late teenage girls all of them had the fucking ugg boots the yoga pants and kirkland brand hoodies and i was like very disappointed for the youth of this country. These were separate individuals that you saw or a big group of all? It was, it was a group okay. all wearing the same thing. Got it. Which I've kind of noticed, and this is probably being being a curmudgeon because I'm sure that people thought the same thing when they looked at me and my merry band of hoodlums. Most of the time, if you get a group of friends together, they all kind of look the fucking same anymore to me. That's probably not something that's new. That's just something that I notice now because I'm old and grumpy. Well, everything's much more homogenized than it was when, you know, well, we all shop at the same store or stores like you yeah. and your friends, but you probably had something different where now everybody has access to the same stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. Discussion for another time, I guess. Fucking youths. Youths. What have you been watching this week? I have been watching Andor on Disney Plus on and off. I, I get into it. I get into it and I watch an episode. It's 12 episodes for the first season and I get into it and I watch a full episode and then I'm start the next episode and either somebody comes home or you know i kind of get distracted and start looking at my phone and i decide i should probably take a break from it and it seems like it's taking me to get through these 12 episodes it's really interesting like i really enjoy it but sometimes it doesn't necessarily follow the it follows the grand scheme like it's all obviously one story that comes together but because an episode might focus on something it's not all very linear you know, there might be a portion mm -hmm. that follows this guy that's like a, a he's like an imperial soldier or whatever that gets he gets uh, his name tarnished because he's associated with this shit that goes down. And then you have Cassian. I can't even remember what his last name is. Andor. <laughs> Cassian Andor is like, I think that's his name. I don't know. Somebody the will, dude from Rogue One. Yeah. Right. Was his name Cassian okay. Andor in that movie? I believe so. Diego Luna. That's only one of the only disney star wars movies i really liked was rogue one yeah so i've been watching that i'm still i think i'm on episode nine or ten and i'm still not quite sure how it's going to all come together i've been watching on and off again a movie though i've been watching american animals which i don't know if you've ever seen it's from 2018 
not familiar. I always said doesn't ring a bell. It's got Barry Keoghan and Evan Peters. Well, Evan Peters, you would know from he played Dahmer in the Dahmer miniseries. All right, right. And it's about their college students that I forget what college it is. They're trying to put together this heist to steal this book that Autobahn put together, like the the Autobahn guy that like founded or they founded the Autobahn Society based on this guy. And it's this book that's in their college and it's worth a bunch of money and they're trying to put together this heist to get it. And I haven't been able to finish it. And every time it's not the movie's fault. It's I think we mentioned it a few episodes back or you did. It's not the movie's fault. You're just tired when you start watching it. And it's not. Oh, yeah. There's not a whole lot going on just yet. So you kind of start nodding off. But the thing that I think is really cool about the movie is that it tells the perspective, the story from the perspective of it's based on a true story. So they have the actors basically reenacting and then they have the real people that kind of say, oh, yeah, so and so was, you know, this way or whatever. And they just intercut the footage like the acting with these like interviews with the real people or the real people might show up in the scene. This is an official story. It's like a adaptation or something like that. Yeah, Just based on a, a real heist that happened or attempted to happen, because I don't know what exactly how it goes. <laughs> don't know how it ends yeah. yet. The first part of the movie they're doing, they're showing how they try to disguise themselves as older people. So they'll put like Elmer's glue on their face and they'll like scrunch up their face and use a hairdryer. So it starts to look like wrinkles on their face. And it's, it's interesting. I don't feel like that would work that well. It seemed like, it seemed like it did a little bit. Maybe I'm not explaining it well enough, but it's interesting. I just haven't been able to make it through yet. I got to start earlier. How about you? I mean, aside from the topic that we had, I, after Watching that, I kind of went into a rabbit hole of really shitty movies just to try to cleanse my palate. So I'd been diving into the shit that's on Tubi, and (laughs) it seems to be a running theme of stripper zombie movies this week. I actually put three down, for better or worse, mostly for worse, in descending order as far as the ones that the worst one to the best one four mills for zombies is absolutely fucking terrible the title is not done justice at all the only i don't even remember what the line was that i oh i do work right now the only like saving grace it has is in like literally the second line of the movie is you hear a very we'll call him a trailer park like individual say holy shit them are dead tits and it's just downhill from there <laughs> which how could you get any better bar, well you definitely can't, at least not in this movie. But half the movie is just unflattering topless women eating what looks like turkey legs like you would get from like a Renaissance fair, but somehow dressed up to look like human, but not really. Human turkey you know? legs? Well, human turkey legs aren't or human legs aren't the size of turkey legs. So kind of figure it out. So maybe they're infants. Like they, I think infant at one legs. point they actually add like huh? maybe they're infant legs. I think at one point they actually add like a paper towel tube at the end of the turkey <laughs> leg and just have her hold on to that or something. It's it's pretty bad. And then I landed on Zombie Strippers, which is, you know, it's a movie. It's got, you know, Robert England and Jenna Jameson in it when she was still, you know, at, at the height of her power, I guess. It's just not a very good movie. It's one of those mid to early 2000s movies, something like that, where the effects are bad. It's They're still going for that low-budget look, but they're trying to do it with computers, and it just really didn't, didn't land. But it's kind of the same thing. It's a bunch of half-naked women running around, chewing on chunks of things, and they're calling it a zombie movie. And then the one that was the, the peak of this one of stripper zombies was a movie called Stripperland, which is 
the the premise of this movie is just ridiculous. Like it's literally all there's points of it where it's a shot for shot, literally stealing dialogue line for line from the movie Zombieland. Like the main character's got a book of rules to survive Stripperland and all this. But there's some things like this movie has Leanna Quigley in it. It has Lloyd Kaufman in it. It has people that you actually recognize other than, you know, Freddy Krueger and Jenna Jameson. The story is kind of funny because for some reason, the zombies, they only turn women into zombies, but the zombies all are also strippers. Okay. And when they attack other women, it also turns them into strippers. But when they attack men, they just die. <laughs> yeah, it's they don't turn into men strippers, So, which yeah. is it's kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah, a little bit. But the logic in it is just so fucking dumb. And it's the dialogue and it gets worse as it goes on. And as it goes on, it also steal, it steals lines from Shaun of the Dead. It steals lines from it says something like when there's no more poles in hell, the strippers will walk the earth. I'm like, really? That's where we're going with these quotes. <laughs> this is the we're best thing you can do. Just like we're going to just stripperize Dawn of the Dead. OK, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it like I said, it's one of those movies that I want to say that movie was also like early 2000s, but it. If you're, it's one of those, you know, they only had like $500 to shoot this and they still somehow got Lloyd Kaufman and Leanna Quigley to show up for a day, but you're moderately, moderately entertained with the idiocy that you're seeing on screen. $240 a piece. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Lloyd Kaufman donated his services for free, probably. Well, so. that doesn't sound like Lloyd Kaufman, but maybe. Fan of the show, Lloyd Kaufman. Of course. You know what I think? Yeah. Mentioning this, I think what we should do for March, and the only reason I say March is because crummy movie march and we we you know we talk we kind of run the gamut here we don't necessarily talk about hmm. always great movies or always bad movies but there's there's so much unmined potential for really awful movies that we could watch and talk about i think for a month we should just watch just trashed here like z-grade movies and talk about them i'm a hundred percent on board for that as long as we keep it to a month unlike horror ween where we did two months and by the end of it we were both like anything <laughs> at, at, yeah anything by the time else? we were like please can we watch my southern family christmas yeah exactly just what we were waiting for yeah for again but i mean aside from that i I, mean, I caught up on hard knocks which is still pretty boring right now yeah same yep i don't think there was much of anything else i watched i've been doing a lot of other like errands and you know stuff outside of the house which tis the season i suppose i've been watching i don't know if i've talked about this before i feel like i talked about it last week or last time we recorded but I've been watching a lot of Grand Designs. Did I talk about that before? It's like a BBC so. show. It's a UK show and they have a New Zealand version and they have other versions from around the globe. But it's like people who are designing. They're not necessarily designing, but they're building a house based on someone's design. And it's always these really lofty designs. And they take these these episodes can run like multi years, you know, they might start building in 2018 mm. and they didn't finish until 2022 or something. So the shows take a long time to develop. There's only like 10 episodes a season, but I I'm not like a big architecture guy. I mean, I do appreciate architecture, but sure. you get to see these houses, like the, the roadblocks that these people, you see them at the beginning and they talk about the house they're going to build. And they do like a little, the, the host, they'll, he'll show like a little 3d model with all the rooms, all, you know, decked out and stuff and then they'll talk to the people and they'll say well, like what's your schedule like what's your what's your timetable basically what's your budget and then they'll follow them along and they'll see all the things that don't work and some of the things that they that do work and a lot of the people are regular professional people 
that maybe don't have any kind of building experience, but they are going to be the project manager, for example, and they're still going to do their day job. And you get to see all the little, the things that they run into. Like most people, they'll either tear down a house and they'll build it from scratch or they'll renovate some, some old, you know, it's the UK. So there's a lot of houses or a lot of like farmhouses that are centuries old and they're going to recondition this house to be this other thing. And it's just this, they have a, there's a, uh, I want to say it's either on, oh, it's on Freebie, which is the old, I think we said it was the old IMDb TV. They have just a channel that runs, they'll only play like three episodes a day, but they'll play them all day. And the next day they'll play three more and they're from any season. So they can be like from t- <laughs> 1996 and then like, tw- so it's hard to keep track. Well, there's, it's not a, it, each show is self-contained. And there are episodes okay. where they'll go back and talk to somebody that's been building their house. You know, they'll they'll revisit something because maybe they didn't finish it in the time. There was one episode where I was just watched from last season that it went from, I think they started in 2016. And by 2020, when they had to actually air the episode, it had, it was like they ran out of money. They didn't know if they were going to be able to keep it, you know, and then they revisit them in 2022 and see how it's going. It's a really interesting show and you get to see, you just get to see all the things that could possibly go wrong from these really lofty ideas. Like people will build out of a drainage reservoir. They build a house under an underground house out of that. Or, you know, you, you could see what could possibly go wrong. Yeah. You could expect to see somebody buy like a missile silo and they build a house in it. I don't know if that's ever happened, but just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You see the different ways they design houses in the UK, like the cladding, you know, the siding is like wood, charred wood and all this stuff compared to how we do it here. It sounds like a show that would be, it almost seems like something if you're just channel surfing or whatever, you would almost skip over it. Mm -hmm. But if you like land on it, once you're like hooked, you're just like rabbit hole done. Like that's how I got into that stupid fortune fire show. Oh, the where they make the knives and stuff. Yeah. Like one day I just, I sat there for like maybe 30 minutes out out of an hour show. And by that time I'm like, well, no, I got to see how they fucking finish this dumb stuff. (laughs) They pull it out. Yeah. And before I know it, I'm like eight seasons in, I'm like, whoa, looking forward to the next knife challenge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I started watching that show at the beginning of the pandemic and from hearing about it on a podcast, actually. And then I. Fortune Fire? No, no, no. Grand Designs. And just kind of like. Then I, I couldn't get enough of it. And I, then I started watching the New, Z- the New Zealand one. And I've watched like several seasons of that now. And it's every year when the new season comes out, like I didn't know if they're going to continue to do it. So when I see a new season come out, it's like, oh, cool. Another eight to 10 episodes of Grand Designs, you know, that I can watch from whatever country it's coming out in. Well, on that note, let me ask you this before we get into this topic. So I'm actually thoroughly surprised. That of all the Bruce Campbell movies, and there's plenty of them that fit the brand of this show or fit whatever we do on this podcast, that this is the movie that we're starting with on Bruce Campbell. I find that to be kind of entertaining. What's your opinion about Bruce Campbell? Oh, I have a really, hmm, I have like a love-hate kind of relationship with Bruce Campbell. Really? Well, I don't really hate him. I don't, I don't hate him. But the thing is, is like. Oh, not there are the end of the show. I know more marriage counseling. The thing with me, and I don't know if it's ever, if it's come out in the 30 plus episodes that we've done so far, but if someone, I feel like I have to bring up cocaine bear because it's a really good parallel to it, but the more it gets talked about and the more that someone flies under the radar, well, the more they be popular, they become the more, the less interested I am. I can be, you know? I just had this conversation with someone about that show Wednesday 
today. And their point was exactly that. Like, it's so popular right now that I just don't give a shit. Yeah. And in the case of Wednesday, I had watched it before. But I just I just gunned it out quick because I knew it was going to be something where if I started hearing people talk about it, I'm not going to care. So I just sat through it and got it over with. But I almost always agree with you on that. And with me, Bruce Campbell is a is an actor where I think he's very talented. There are people fawn mm-hmm. of, over him. The people that probably run in the circles that we run into run with fawn over him so much that a lot of the times I'm just like, I, I don't care. I, I like some of the things he's in. For example, people love Bubba Hotep. I don't like that movie. And I think that Bruce Campbell, I think maybe because he almost always plays this kind of Elvis character or this Elvis mm-hmm. kind of archetype. And when he was on Burn Notice on USA, that was like one of his kind of a, a resurgence of him. You know, he's older. I hated that show. Him as the character was fine. I just mm-hmm. just couldn't care less that he was on the show. So, yeah. Well, the prop for me, the problem cold. was the show was so bad that he didn't save it. Yeah. Even. And so I guess my relationship, so. my one sided relationship with Bruce Campbell is that he is very hot and cold for me at times. I think he's great. And at other times I couldn't care less. Not that I so love hate, maybe a little bit strong, but it's like either I like him or I, I don't care. Yeah, I think I have a real soft spot for him because Evil Dead, the first three, the ones that that were around when I was a kid mm-hmm. were some of the first horror movies that really got me into the genre, especially the idea, not so much the first movie, but two and Army of Darkness. Like I really, really gravitated the whole like flap sticky over the top, like super gore, like all that kind of thrown in and obviously if you've listened to the show you know that's something that we're both quite a fan of is when you can take gore and comedy and kind of slop them together mush them together yeah i think there's part of me that also likes the fact that he's a michigan guy you know like he's local to where well relatively he's not now but <laughs> he yeah i think he was i saw him walking Texas down the street or something like that. the other day i wouldn't be shocked if he did honestly wouldn't be the most surprising thing to hear but relatively speaking local ties to where we're from in michigan so that always kind of made me root form a little bit more and i kind of like the fact that as far as you know he he calls himself a b-movie actor and i'd I'd say he's more at this point more of a working actor like he's not gonna he probably could retire if he wanted to i'm sure Sure. he makes plenty of money from yeah you know a bunch of stuff that he's in but he's he's somewhere between household name and just that he's and that guy that happens to pop up in a bunch of stuff and i kind of respect that i could see a lot of people saying oh it's that guy yeah Exactly. I don't know what he's been in, but I recognize that guy. Yeah. Or more likely, oh, he was in that Spider-Man movie or he was in Burn Notice, some other thing that's, yeah, Burn Notice. That works. So going totally off of what, like the type of acting that we just did our topic for the day is Southern Fried Bruce Campbell, also known as the Hallmark movie, My Southern Family Christmas. Do you have a little blurb up that you want to read about this or am I going to be forced to read this? No, I can I can read it. I'll just read the IMDb one. It's the shorter of the two because one is like a whole life story on somebody. Mine's looking at like three sentences. The one I'm looking at. Yeah. So this one says turned into a journalist. This is the, the uh, who wrote this turned into a journalist. Uh, Campbell, not Bruce Campbell. Campbell, not a journalist. Right. Yeah. Not a journalist. <laughs> well, I guess kind of. Let me start it over and we'll just we'll just read the whole thing. No commentary. OK, turn I'll shut up. Yeah. I'm sorry. Turned into a journalist, Campbell gets the chance to meet her biological father for the first time without him knowing. In the end, Campbell must decide if she will reveal the truth, a decision that will change Christmas forever. Christmas won't be Christmas anymore if if the bad thing, the wrong thing happens because 
Jesus wouldn't have been born. I guess it's not. Well, well, I won't get into it. Yeah. So this is another one where I'm going to go right off the bat and say, I don't care about spoilers in this because it's a Hallmark movie. This is a Hallmark movie. We're not going to worry about the spoilers. So if you haven't seen this, oh, well. This movie is really just like a Southern version of, I mean, I feel like I've seen this story like a thousand times, like a thousand different ways, all against my will. Have you ever including seen this? Time. Have you ever seen a Hallmark movie before? Probably. I mean, have you seen is a Hallmark Christmas movie before? Not willingly. I try to erase them with alcohol and bong rips. <laughs> this is a little bit different than most of the Hallmark movies. I think that this is based on like the Hallmark murders and mysteries. And you're going to laugh. But I think it's based on that model because it's a little bit. Most Hallmark movies that I've watched and I've unfortunately watched a lot are about a a woman returning to her hometown or a town, generally her hometown, after being away for a while, meets the man or someone that she used to date or someone she was friends with when she lived there. She's come back to rescue the family farm or the family store. And, you know, hilarity ensues. You get get a farm or a store? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. (laughs) Silly options? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, from there, or, you know, she's the best friend is helping her out at her store or whatever. This one is a little bit different because it's it's multifaceted in the respect that Campbell comes home, which it's so like you pointed this out. Campbell is her name and his name is actually Bruce Campbell. But I'm still convinced that the reason her name is Campbell is so that he remembers her name through this whole movie. I mean, I'm not I wouldn't debate you on that. I think that might be part of it. But. This has that added complexity with the father's story, the father's storyline or the the missing family storyline. And there is a love story that happens inside of this as well. So it's got multiple layers of the onion. And I think, according to my wife, this has more of the complexities (laughs) of the murder, Mr. Hallmark murder and mysteries storyline, whereas most of them are, like I said, woman comes home, has to help out at the farm or the store. You know, there's an ailing parent or. The, the store is going to go under. They have to come up with this great idea and they they rekindle an old flame. So this is a little bit different in the respect that there's this family dynamic that's going on where she's in Campbell, played by J.C. Elliott, is in communication with her mother and her, her stepfather, I guess, is her stepfather. I just found it really weird that in this movie, she's her name is Campbell Wallace and Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. who is her father, his name is Ed, Everett Bergeron. And he thinks that her name is Alice and he doesn't know her last name. When Campbell Wallace gets the, the daughter gets adopted by the, the her stepfather, they totally change her name. Like she mentions when she first meets Bruce Campbell, she's like, oh, hi, I'm Campbell. And he's he's kind of yeah. there's a look of recognition on his face, but he doesn't know who she it's is. The look of I'm Campbell, too. Right. Wait <laughs> a second. Two Campbell only or two Campbell in movie. Only one exists. It's like Highlander. Going to have to cut this down somehow. I don't know. It's it's by the standards. That was standards. the hardest eye roll I've seen you do in a long time. <laughs> and you're not even looking straight at me. The right. By the standards of a Hallmark holiday Christmas movie, this is very different than what I'm accustomed to seeing. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't want to like tip my hand, but I kind of feel like I could. So there are things that are actually kind of entertaining in this movie. First and foremost is 
Bruce Campbell trying to have a Louisiana accent yeah. and try to carry it as, because it does come and go throughout the movie. It's There's like a Bayou where, accent too. It's not just Louisiana. It's like the Bayou. Right. But when he has to carry more than like a line of dialogue, which happens a couple times in this movie, his accent just goes right the fuck out the window. Yeah. But when he has to do something like, oh, watch out for the gators. And I I can't even do a like Creole accent at all. Like, I'm not going to try. I'm sure I would offend someone if I did. <laughs> but when he tries to slap it on, it is painfully noticeable. And it's almost funny just watching this like shit show unfold when he's trying to do that. Hey, 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 watch out for them gators, hey? I mean, that would probably be just yeah, about That was like good. Fat Albert, but. Right. <laughs> I guarantee <laughs> this is Fat Albert. Right. Hey, hey, hey. Let's get into let's the, see let, other things. That, let's get into the story a little bit. He's he's there's like a Bayou Santa Claus or something in Père Noël, and he's Père Noël. It's yeah. like the town drunk spirit of Christmas oh. or whatever. It, well, is, is he drunk? He doesn't really get drunk in this movie. No, I'm just. I think he has a beer or two, but I don't think he gets drunk. He has a he has a dark past that they don't really get into much. But she comes back to to come visit. She basically gets her his daughter Campbell gets this whole phone call. From from Bruce Campbell, Jesus. I, I, are we going to call him Everett? What are we going to call him? Just Bruce Campbell? Call him Ash. Okay, Ash's new wife, played by Moira Kelly, who I know from The Cutting Edge with D.B. Sweeney. She gets a call, Campbell gets a call from the new wife, Jennifer Moira Kelly, saying, hey, you know, your dad, I think I'm your dad's wife, blah, blah, blah. Campbell is a journalist, big time air quotes there. For a travel magazine, like an airplane magazine, like a Sky Mall magazine, basically. And she needs a story to pitch. She pitches a story like, hey, I'm going to go talk to this guy, Everett Bergeron, who's the new Paranoel. It could be a really great, you know, s- Christmas story. Did you know that Mrs. Ash was also the voice of Nala on The Lion King, the Disney cartoon? I'm familiar with Moira Kelly's work, but I didn't know necessarily that she was Nala from Lion King. She's known for that and Twin Peaks, which I never finished that, so I can't really comment on that. I only so. watched the first season of Twin Peaks, but I don't remember Moira Kelly being in it. In the, whichever one is Firewalk with me. Oh, is that's that the movie. Of, okay. Well, she's in that. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Where were we? So Campbell, you know, she gets this story <laughs> and she's got to keep her job. So she goes to the bayou. It's somewhere in Louisiana. I don't remember what the town is. Somewhere in Louisiana. So she goes there and she meets up with her. Two clicks north of where the water boy takes place. Yes. She goes there, meets her dad, meets that, finds out that she has two sisters from his new marriage, I guess half sisters. And she has to, she's trying to decide how much she's going to be a reporter or a journalist and how much she's, you know, is she going to come and tell Bruce Campbell that she's his daughter? So the whole kind of Mm -hmm. give and take, and she lives with the family for the most part. Well, she stays at this other cottage, but there's this whole back and forth. And is she going to tell him? Is she not going to tell him? He's going to be taking over as the new Père Noël, which we've said is like the Bayou spirit of Christmas. And he rides in on with uh, alligators pulling him and all this stuff. And yeah, so I do like his outfit. It's got overalls like a Christmas, like long sleeve button down and like a santa what the hat hell is that it's, it's not a santa hat it's, oh, it's like, like a, a, it, it's on the cover of the it's like a big straw i don't know what the kind of hat that's called but it's like think of like a bayou swamp guy in the big like keep the sun off of you yeah hat whatever that is <laughs> it's very uh it's a big sun hat yeah it, truthfully it's not very christmasy it's just goofy looking and him wearing it is fantastic this whole movie like i said with having moira kelly 
with having Bruce Campbell and mm-hmm. her stepdad is played by Brian McNamara, who is he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of 80s and 90s stuff. He's another one of those. Hey, it's that guy kind of people. I the freaking creeper in this movie, too. Yeah, he's kind of weird. And he's uh, the thing that really caught me off guard is there's nothing like seeing an actor that you remember looking a certain way. And then you see them like mm-hmm. 30 years later on a Hallmark movie and you yeah. notice how horribly they've aged in that time. Like Moira Kelly was pretty hot, like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And this is 30 years later. And she still looks OK. I mean, she looks like an older lady, an older, an older woman. I, mean, I thought you were talking about her stepdad going, mm, I don't mind if you go meet your real dad. Mm, I'm still your stepdad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy looks awful. Yeah. Like, he looks like he's been on a booze bender for months Uh, before this came out. He looks like he's been, like, shot up with ungodly amounts of quaaludes. And wasn't he, like, making a cake or something when they introduced him or doing something with mixing spoons? Ugh. Rubbing it on his face. No, no, I don't. Right. He wrote it. He made a cake and on it said shit. We already learned you shouldn't drink and bake. Right. Maybe that's what he was doing. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, bad actors aging poorly. That's that's a, a uh, premise well, of I this didn't movie. See you're, putting, um, you're putting bad actors in my mouth. I didn't say that they were bad. Well, Bruce Campbell's not bad. I mean, I think good. Brian McNamara was marginal. Moira Kelly as the wife, as his, Ash's wife, did she did a pretty good job. I recognized uh, the mayor too, Braylon Banks, and I, I still don't know what I recognized him from, but I was like, man, that guy pops up and stuff all the time too. Always he looked, had that had a real familiar look about him. He looked so, like, he. yeah, I recognized him. I think he was in the background of one of those pornos and he was, just kidding. No, I don't know. It's very probable. One of those zombie stripper movies. Maybe. And then in the whole backdrop yeah. of the story is this, the the love story between Campbell and the town, like, historian guy. And he's it's like the town stalker. Kind of. First, he's the detec- town detective. This love story is like the most asinine love story I've ever seen. I mean, this is worse than the love story in Barbarian. This is worse than the love story in fucking any movie that we've watched. Actually, we should scratch Barbarian. We haven't. That episode's going to come out after this, but teaser. Yeah, teaser. This guy literally just like goes and stalks his way to find out like all this chick's. Well, not all, but this one secret that the that Campbell has. Campbell, the daughter, not Campbell, the the Bruce Bayou Santa. Bruce. And it's got this weird thing. It's like, oh, well, I've just uncovered this really uncomfortable thing, confronted you about it and pissed you off. And oh, now we're just together. That's how romance works. Blackmail. That's, that's how blackmail works. It's that too. It's fairly uncomfortable and it's also weird. And he's also the way. Is this Ryan Rotman? Is that the guy? Is, yeah. Was that him? Yep. He's just so fucking punchable in this whole movie. Like even when you he's doing things that you're like, oh, that's kind of a nice guy thing to do. Like you're offering this person from out of town coffee and a place to stay. But I still kind of want to just hit you with a uh, tire iron. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty common with a lot of these Hallmark movies. The thing that's that I thought was interesting about this is, yeah, you watch a lot of the these Christmas movies. And we were talking before we started. My wife records every one. So that's how I'm kind of subjected to them indirectly. But you watch these movies and you start to see there's like a stable of actors that work in this category. And this guy, I don't remember ever seeing any of the people that were in this movie 
in these other Hallmark movies. So that was another refreshing thing for me is that not seeing the punchable guy. I mean, he was punchable, but not seeing the same punchable guy that you see in everything. And you think like, oh, that's where that's a new shade. What's that? It's a new shade of punchable. Oh, yeah. We went from, you know, eggshell white punchable to baby's breath punch. (laughs) Those are actual paint colors, by the way. Oh, I agree. I'm I'm not denying that. The thing that I uh, besides watching this. I did enjoy being when I told my wife that we were going to be talking about a Hallmark movie. She made it a priority to watch the movie with me. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of want to watch this movie myself because I like to, you know, when we watch a movie, I don't know about you, but I like to take notes. And so I can refer back to the movie and maybe a scene that happened or a certain thing that happened in the movie. And we talk about it or riff on it or whatever. And she was like, you can take notes Depends on the movie. I didn't go that far with this one. Yeah, I didn't write too many notes, but she was like, well, you can take notes. That's fine. And then my my younger daughter decided she wanted to watch it with us. So then, you know, we're all watching this movie together and <laughs> dad's doing homework uh, about, you know, yeah, Hallmark Bruce Campbell, movies. like Bayou Christmas. <laughs> my wife had no idea who Bruce Campbell was. She thought that Bruce Campbell was Brian McNamara. So when she was like, oh, is, is that the guy you want to see this for? I'm like, no. We'll see. Well, how about that guy? No, that's not the guy. And then my daughter's like, who is he trying to watch this movie for? So we're watching it. The one thing that I noticed is, is, is Campbell (laughs) carries around this camera, right? She's a, she's taking photographs as a person that likes to take pictures and, and likes to use cameras and likes to have, you know, cameras around. The thing that drove me crazy, Campbell never has a lens cap on the front of her camera. She raw dogs this camera all over town. Never puts a, a lens cap on it. I think you get scratched. She also never has a never has a light. Yeah, she there's never any flash. There's takes yeah. pictures in any kind well, of light. Flashes are would have at least been some kind of novice explanation. But like anyone who's doing professional photography, edge because she's a writer or a jur- journalist. That's what they call her. Sure. Yep. You know you're gonna have like a whole at minimum you're gonna have one of those fucking ring lights that you can carry around to try to put decent lighting on whatever you're trying to take a picture of because i mean they they're showing them like walking around the bayou in the dark dark. (laughs) just taking pictures of shit i'm like yeah that's gonna come out good but okay whatever i hate to break it to you john but no professional photographer would use a ring light well i'm aware of that i'm just saying (laughs) carrying this ring light around hey smile anything i don't care what it is but yeah anything would look better than nothing right some kind of lighting but there's no lighting. There's just no lighting at all. But I have to say, again, being a, a veteran of the Hallmark holiday movie wars there, I feel like it's like the Terminator. Like in the future, I'm one of those humans that fight the Terminators because I've seen the Terminators. So I've seen these Hallmark movies. I've been through the Hallmark Wars before. I'm a veteran of mm-hmm. many tours of the Hallmark War. This is probably Sorry, one of the better ones that I've seen, to be really perfectly honest with you. I was maybe it's because like I I like certain I like. We've talked about it a few times in the past. I like Degrassi. I like Degrassi Junior High. I like the new Degrassi, the next generation. Aside from Is that, the Kevin Smith one. Well, it's like the I think it's the one that Drake's from. The okay. next generation is the one that Drake's from. Aside from some of the movies that have some like Degrassi, the next generation actors in it, I generally like these kind of movies when I can at least recognize a person, like one of the actors being in something else. Like, oh, I've seen you in mm-hmm. a Burger King commercial. I'm going to instantly like this more because I can put your 
your face to like a person or something and a hamburger. Yeah, you can like relate to the hamburger, right? Because yeah. this person was in Burger King commercial and now they're in this thing. But maybe I don't know if it's because Bruce Campbell was in this that I enjoyed this movie so much or not so much. I mean, it's not perfection, but more than I was expecting to enjoy it, I guess, is probably the way I should preface it. I don't know if it was because of Bruce Campbell or if it was just an actually like decent one of these kinds of movies. And most of them are like trash fires that I, I don't know, just something about it. And maybe it was my wife wanting to watch it with me, or maybe it was my kid wanting to watch it. Something about this movie. And I think the story, like I said, because it goes a little bit different than the love triangle that all these movies generally have. I just enjoyed it a little bit more than I probably should have. I mean, I so pulling back the curtain that I do not watch very many Hallmark movies. This is not my normal go to thing. In fact, when it comes to Christmas movies, I, I don't watch a bunch of Hallmark movies for the holidays either. However, for what this movie is, you know, the story's not perfect. It's certainly got a share of like stupidity to it, but it's not unwatchable. It's not going to make you antsy or annoyed or question the logic of everything in it other than maybe the stalker boyfriend who shows up. You know, there's certainly it's certainly made for like a very niche audience, different niche than what we usually talk about on this podcast but niche nonetheless but it's a watchable movie it's fine for what it is it's just it doesn't really and maybe it's not supposed to it doesn't like push any boundary it doesn't really sure. it's just safe yeah it you know it's safe it's relatively non-offensive aside from maybe the bruce campbell's alabama louisiana accent whatever he's doing well it's probably not offensive it's just goofy yeah there's moments of comedy in it, and it's very much so like primetime PG TV comedy. Is it something that I have any desire to ever watch again in my life? No, no, I don't. But do I, what is this, like an hour and a half long, probably? Something like that? Without the commercials, it was an hour and 22 minutes. Okay. So I don't, do I feel like I totally wasted an hour and 22 minutes? Yeah, kind of, but I've done it. <laughs> I've done it a lot worse for this podcast. So, I mean, there's been plenty of movies that are, have been more than this that I was more pissed off about watching, which we'll get to those still to come. <laughs> Not today, but still to come. Let me ask them what this was. Let me ask you, did this movie feel like homework to you? You know, if I wasn't more of a Christmas mood when I watched it, I would say no. It felt like homework because I wasn't really in the mood to watch a Christmas movie when I did watch it. So that's the only reason why. But if we did this, like, say, on December 20th, like a little closer to the holiday, when because I, I do go through a little bit of a period for a couple of weeks where, you know, you want to be festive sure. and watch Christmas stuff. I don't think I would feel like it's as much of a homework assignment as I do it on this one, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you have to be in the mood so, for it or else it can start to yeah. feel like a bit of a, a slog. Yeah, and that's harder with Christmas movies than pretty much any other genre because it's got to be the right time of year. It helps if it's the right kind of, you know, it's just a whole fucking, the ambience has to be yeah, there. The ambiance. So, right. I will say what I think would have made this movie and like I would have gave it 11 out of 10 hot dogs if this would have happened. There's a part at the end where, you know, Campbell, the throwaway child, is getting ready. She's like on the fence about telling her, you know, Campbell the Bruce. I think that's what we're going to have to call him, Campbell the Bruce, yeah. going forward. So she's getting ready to tell him that, you know, he's her bastard, basically. And he's doing all this paranoia stuff and he's running around and you see that he's actually out of frame for most of this scene. And 
he's going to make his big entrances like Bayou Santa or whatever. Yeah. And they they like these big garbage piles, basically. They're not really garbage, but I'm going to call them that. And they're showing this like river where earlier in the movie they were teasing about like, don't go in there. There's gators in there. They'll get you or whatever. I would have laughed my ass off if a gator just went in bit the shit out of Bruce Campbell and tore him apart right there, like in the middle of the Christmas. Turns into a a Christmas horror movie just on the spot. (laughs) Just right there. Just the sea runs festively red with Bruce Campbell. Campbell the Bruce's blood. Paranoel. That's what you get when you light those effigies for Paranoel. And then the moral of the story is don't hold things in. You say your piece so that you don't go to your grave with your father being eaten by an alligator not knowing that he's your dad. That's right. He didn't know. So let's say you kind of you kind of the the moral of the story is so you kind of brought it up what you're you know it would have been 11 out of this many hot dogs so let's get just get the hot dogs what do you rate mm-hmm. what what's your hot dog rating for this honestly it's kind of the same thing that i just said about the movie it's just kind of right down home plate safe inoffensive you know that kind of christmas movie i just because it it i would have liked a little bit more humor in i'd probably go four and a half hot dogs out of 10 Campbell the Bruce dogs. It's it's not like I said. It's it's not something I want to go back to. It's not going to work its way into the rotation of movies that you watch every year around the holidays. But I'm not mad that I watched it. It's not. It's certainly not offensive. I know that score sounds lower than what I'm saying with it. It's just I just don't care, and that's I can't give it much more than like a five, four and a half, five that area if I don't care about it. I get that. So I have. Hmm. Two different ratings, and I don't do this, and I think I brought it up once before. I'm gonna give it a seven. Now, don't don't get your jump to conclusion man out yet. I'm gonna give it a seven out of eleven hot dogs for the this type of movie compared against all the other Hallmark movies that I've watched. Mm-hmm. Not that's not that's not my official number, but I think against other kind of Hallmark movies. So if you have watched Hallmark movies, if you're in the audience of, and you've watched Hallmark movies before. Hallmark Christmas movies. I think this is probably one of the better ones. Like I said, because it's not that tried and true formula of I'm going to rescue the, my parents, a farm, B storefront, C garbage pile, whatever it is for that type of movie. I think it's, it's a pretty good one of these movies. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good one of those movies based on what it is now alone. Like I think on its own for this kind of rating, I give it a six. I give it six hot dogs out of 11 swamp hats. Because, like you said, it's not something that I'm, it's not something I'm necessarily going to want to go back and watch. Like, I wouldn't watch it on my mm-hmm. free time. I probably wouldn't have watched this at all if this isn't something that we kind of wanted to do as a bit of a goof after doing all these crazy psychopathic movies. This episode is following Terrifier, which was probably the biggest reason that we did this, because I found it really humorous that we took a movie like Terrifier and followed it with a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yeah. I think it works well. And Sean didn't stop. Me. Right. Yeah. Oh. I didn't, I didn't give any objection because, you know, give a reason to watch a Hallmark movie because secretly I'm, I'm craving them. You chuckled. So, I did. you know, that's usually a sign of approval. Mm-hmm. Oh, he kind of laughed. He laughed a little bit. I guess that's a good one. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think that it's not something I'm going to go back to, but I thought all the performances were fine. I thought the, the movie was fine. The, the message was fine. It, it's a little heartwarming, especially because Campbell, the Bruce has, he has this kid, you know, when you were a father. Things kind of strike you a little bit differently than it would if you're just some. If I was a teenager, I would have degenerate like forty year old man that doesn't have kids. Yeah, that or like yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> John has his hand up. 
But, you know, when you're younger and you don't have certain perspectives on things, on things, things are a little bit funnier. You can make fun of it a lot better. And believe me, I could have sat and watched this movie and just endlessly made fun of a lot of things about this movie and most Hallmark movies. But I think they they have the formula down. The algorithm is down. So they know how to pull on your heartstrings a little bit with some of these movies. And this one had a lot of little heartwarming things. You know, the Campbell, not the Bruce, meets her sisters that she didn't know anything about. You know, her her dad really is this good guy. It's just he's a victim of circumstance where he didn't go try and find her when she was a little kid. And then through like eavesdropping, she finds out that he actually did go and try to find her. But they changed her name and, you know, the family changed their name and he just wasn't able to keep up with them. And he writes all these letters, you know, that he was going to send to her. And if if he ever met her, he was going to give them to her. And that's just that's a little heartwarming. I mean, that's 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 you got to be a pretty hard person not to find some kind of sentimental like emotion or attachment or something, too. So while I wouldn't watch this again, you know, let's be perfectly honest, I'm probably never going to watch this movie again. If I was subjected, if I had to pick, you know, you got to watch a Hallmark movie. There are a hell of a lot more worse ones than this. And I'd probably pick to watch this. This is probably one of the better of the bunch. And again, I don't know if it's because it's Bruce Campbell and it's somebody that I know and someone that I do enjoy his work, even though it's not somebody that I give a shit too much about. You know, just <laughs> something about it struck me a little bit. Not that I have a secret family or anything. Don't tell my wife. I just thought it was. Nice Homer whisper. Yeah, thank you. I thought I just thought it was uh, it, for what it was. It was fine. I mean, six out of ten isn't great. But I think against these types of movies, it would get a seven. Six, I'm sorry, six out of eleven. I just broke the the, the fourth wall here. But I, I think against other types of movies, I would say seven out of 11 other types of Hallmark movies. Do you think the because they show a picture of him, of Campbell the Bruce with Campbell the Knot? Yeah, they showed a couple times mm-hmm. through the movie. But when they when she breaks the news to him, that's how she does it. Is she shows the picture of him yeah. and he looks suspiciously like Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead. Yeah. In that picture. What do you think the chances are that that was a picture that was shot? What taken on one of the Evil Dead sets? Oh, I didn't even think of it. I thought I didn't think of that. I thought you were going to say, and I don't know why you would say this. Like, what what do you think the chances are that that's an actual real picture of him holding some other baby? You know, because sometimes they take well, no, a picture. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, sometimes they take the picture and they Photoshop them like really poorly, and you're like, yeah, this is this looks awful. But I don't I don't know. I didn't even think of that. That's interesting. That was kind of my thought with it. Just maybe again, I can't tell you how many times i've watched those movies but i mean bruce campbell's kind of gone through some size fluctuation as we all do over his career and he's clearly like god he's at most he's probably 25 in that picture yeah he's young like that and i'm sure they could have just edited a photo to make him look 25 or what or just god knows like pulled his picture his face off of one photo and slapped on to another one but i do think they obviously they're aware of who bruce campbell is they hired him to be in this fucking movie I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little like nod to his base, I guess, if they just decide to put that in there as almost like a little Easter egg, like someone at Hallmark has a sense of humor. I doubt that very highly, but I guess it's a possibility. I also wanted to just say real quick, he was in this a lot more than I expected him to be. When you brought it up, oh, Bruce Campbell's in a Hallmark movie. I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to have a bit part. I guess this is this is his second Hallmark movie, actually. Oh, he's already been in one before. I don't know. I have no idea what the other one was, but I saw read something on it. Just like you mentioned, trying to do homework for this to have a halfway decent conversation. 
I did do a little bit on it. There wasn't a whole lot there to be found on it, yeah. partially because this movie is only like two weeks old. One of the things that read on is like this, his second Hallmark movie, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, there was a there was a first one. Okay. Well, I think the thing with these movies is actors that are not super like they get pigeonholed into doing these movies like Dean Cain did a bunch of these. Lacey Chabert did a bunch of Hallmark movies. And I think the thing they like about it is actors, especially the move, the shoots are only like two weeks. They're very short shoots yeah. and they get like so much done. It's like TV schedule. It's, it's faster, like faster than these are. These are like hour and a half to well, hour, probably hour and a half. Right. But I, I'm saying TV schedule in the sense like when you talk, what do you always hear the difference between movie and TV is with movies having been in so many myself. Right. You know that it's about getting the shot and getting it right. And if you have to do it two, three, four, five, six hundred times, whatever it is, that's what you're there to do. And it can take you hear stories about movies taking like days, get one shot and the shot's like 30, 30 seconds shit, three seconds right. in, the, in second. the actual movie, something like that. Where with TV, it's OK, go do it unless you really fuck it up. We're moving on. And that makes sense. I mean, there's a TV channel that's making it's like. Why would you spend eight months shooting Louise and Southern Fry Campbell, the Bruce Christmas like that? That doesn't make any fucking sense. They're also cranking out like 40 of these every season. If you still have IMDb up, if you go through the pictures, like after you click on the poster, there's a really good shot of the swap hat in there. Him holding up a beer and wearing the whole the whole get up right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There he is. I see it. Yep. We'll include so, that in the notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be because that's going to be all over because that's going to be one of the promo pictures for that. <laughs> it will be used. We are going to come back with another Christmas episode next week. I did put like feelers out to see if there was anything that people wanted us to talk about. I got a response for some weird German movies. I don't know if that's where we want to go yet, but we'll come back with at least one more Christmas episode before the holiday. And then we'll get back to your regularly scheduled debauchery from there. So, yeah. Right? Correct? Yes. Anyway, end of the show stuff. Yeah. So follow us on anywhere that there's social media. We're at Dewey Pod Monster. We're all over the fucking place. Check out our site. It is crap.town. You can find this episode and all the previous episodes that we've done in the previous past. No other ones featuring Campbell the Bruce, but plenty of other ones featuring the likes of Tom Atkins and... Uh, Art the Clown and whoever the fuck else we've talked about. Sean, what do you got going on? In the future past, you can find me at youtube.drafttherapy.com. Currently, in the present past, I am reviewing a bunch of beers from State of Brewing, a.k.a. Octopi Brewing, a.k.a. Untitled Art. I'm doing an advent calendar from Aldi, so you can check me out at youtube.drafttherapy.com to see what I think about these rather bland and traditional beers. You can also follow me on all the social networks by looking up Draft Therapy. I won't post anything there, but you can follow me and have the satisfaction of knowing that you've added a number to my number that already exists. He's going to be posting more stuff there, whether he's posting it or not. You'll see. So, <laughs> Anyway, I think that's all we got for this week. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. And cheers. Bye. What's the deal with the Dewey Pod Monster podcast?
it's disappointing, but I do think that EZE was the least impactful member of MWA. Might be one of the more recognizable, but everybody loves a Jerry Curl. Needs more girth. Yeah, girthy on the bottom end. Give me more girth it's on all the about bottom. Girth. It's always the girth. More girth on the bottom, not on the top. <laughs> <laughs> You're just kidding. It's like a. F- it's like a funnel. <laughs> yeah. Upside down funnel. Uh, what is that guy's name? I just, oh, yeah. It's got, yeah, let me start that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 